Today's episode of The Full 60 is presented by The Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to The Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Welcome to The Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. This week's guest is Dallas Stars forward Tyler Sagan, who um, I have been dealing with Tyler since he was a top prospect in Plymouth, and it's always a fun conversation. I like Tyler because he's not afraid to say interesting things, which let's say isn't always the case with hockey players, especially current players who tend to be guarded. But Tyler has a lot of fun. He's not afraid to put himself out there. He's not afraid to, he's interested in a lot of different things um, as we get into. And even something like, you know, the Taylor-Tyler debate, right, during his draft year, that I'm sure some players would roll their eyes and be like, oh, we're, we're talking about that again. And Tyler like dove right into it, had discovered some stuff I never knew about that period of time and it was just a fun conversation uh with tyler so i let like no preamble here let's dive right into this conversation get right into it the full 60 with dallas stars forward tyler sagan so tyler first of all thanks for doing this i am so curious what everybody's doing how what are you how are you in muskogo where are you where are you at now like where have you sequestered um, yourself i'm in dallas so i'm in oh, you dallas are? Okay. here yeah for the i don't know i have no no plan to go back home or anything. It's too cold back in Toronto, and I'm too used to <laughs> Texas weather, so I'm staying put for the time being. That's it's a good move. There, it literally snowed here yesterday, so I heard. I heard. It, you're you're made. You made the right call. Um. All right. So I, I this isn't. I, I'm not doing this just to plug like charity work or anything. But I saw right before we right when you agreed to chat, I was looking at your um. Twitter account and you're you did one of those all-in challenges so I love yeah. that idea and I think it's a great yeah. thing so I I do want to talk about it because it's fun and it's kind of become a rapid fire thing what what, what was your what's your all-in award well yeah to start off with I, I saw it a couple days um I saw Tom Brady do it and I saw Peyton Manning do it and I saw other people doing this and I saw Meek Mill put up I think like his Rolls Royce or something <laughs> and then while it's a I was seeing all this, yeah, it's a good deal. And while I was seeing all this, I got a text from um, Michael Delzato, one of my good buddies, and uh, yeah. obviously plays in Anaheim. I got a text from him about the challenge, and I was like, "That's weird." I'm just looking at it on Twitter, and he said that he was doing it and want to know if he could nominate me. And I said, "Absolutely." Um, so then I, I was really happy to be a part of it and started thinking of ideas of what to do, whether it was. Uh, you know, around a golf in the off season, or it was a dinner, or it was come to a stars game, and that's where I just came up with the whole stars package. Um, yeah. So they get to come to pregame skate, you know, come in the dressing room after, meet some of the players and myself, and then sit on the glass um, for the game at night, and then I'll take them to dinner as well. So um, you know, it's sort of obviously a great cause, and um, I'm all about you know coronavirus relief stuff right now, and. Yeah. crazy times and crazy world and um you know i'm glad how it all came together that's great what are the, did you have any other ideas that you scrapped where you're like give somebody my car or any like well, second place options the first idea that came in my head was get someone to drop a puck um like a certain oh, that'd be puck good. job you know that'd be cool and a little different i haven't seen you know it out there anywhere yet um unless someone in football might do a coin test i'm not sure but you know, the logistics behind it and, you know, just planning that date was a little more complicated when I talked to my team than it was to do a whole day package. Obviously, you got to wait till fans are allowed to come back, but you right. know, this one was just the, the easier route as far as setup. So, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting the people who ever wins. That's awesome. So, the only, like, because I, I, I'm um, socially awkward, the, the idea of dinner with somebody who won a, a, a bid makes me completely uncomfortable. Have you ever done anything <laughs> like that where... Here's here's the winner of the bid. Yeah, so um, we have this casino night in Dallas that we've been doing it. I don't know how long since I've been a part of the team at least. Yeah, um, and for the first few years, I'd get auctioned off. I think it probably <laughs> happened five times. <laughs> nightmare! Oh my god! So a family or someone, you know, you kind of go stand on stage and then you hear everyone bidding, and then it right. obviously goes to a, a good cause and charity. But 
you know, the winner would be, it'd be like a lunch or it was top golf one time or, you know, there's a couple of things. So you can be, they can be a little awkward, but I've always had the personality personality where, you know, kind of have fun with awkwardness. So for the first little bit, it's awkward, but then you, you break through that and you get to know someone and, um, you know, I enjoy meeting new people and especially fans. So, um, I think it'll be a good day. That's great. I actually just saw a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where, um, where there's an auction and it's lit. Uh, what's his name? Larry. Uh, who's that main guy in the thing? Uh, he's uh, yeah, he's, he, he does that. And it's just, it, it was, it's, it was exactly how it would go if it was me, like me trying to make a couple jokes early on that fall really flat and then yeah. just sweating it out the rest of the time. Yeah, um, oh, Larry David. Yes. Thanks, okay. Yeah. Producer Tyler. So yeah, Larry <laughs> David, who's, oh, it, it's unbelievable. So what else are you doing to, to occupy your time? Um, trying to have a schedule and a routine, you know, yeah. going to bed at a good hour, waking up early, um, working out a lot, riding the bike a lot, um, a lot of cooking. And then, uh, to top it off, staying busy with, um, interior designing. So my girlfriend and I are putting together a room upstairs right now. Um, so we, we painted it. It was a pink room before we took all the furniture out. We put a big backsplash on it. Um, we got to put some wood on it and uh, redecorate it a little bit. And yeah, it's it, it's taken up. Uh, it's been very time consuming, um, and it's been fun. So that's how we've uh, been staying busy as of late. Are you in Mike McDonald's old house still, or is that no? I'm, I'm house? not in Mike's. I'm not in Mike's house anymore. No. So, so are are you into that design and all? That, and are you like fairly handy in general, or is this a new? You know what? I'm kind of not handy. <laughs> I thought I was <laughs> okay. Handy. I feel better. Good. I thought I was handy. Um, <laughs> But then I've the biggest thing I've discovered from this quarantine so far is probably my handiness. Yeah. Is you know when I, you order things at Amazon, everything comes not put together already, right. and that was my biggest eye opener. I thought everything would come ready. You know, I thought a <laughs> hockey net would show up with the post in and the mesh in it. I just didn't even think about that. Um, so luckily, I have, I have help because I'm not good at putting anything together myself. So I've discovered that about myself uh, during this quarantine. That you're not handy. That's yeah, uh, it's good handy, to learn yeah. early, I guess. It is, um, yeah. So, but I've always what I like about you is you've always seemed to have your hand in a lot of things, right? Like you're uh-huh. you're willing to put yourself out there. You're willing to try things, and like I know you've done some. I mean, it's not interior design, but I know you've had some like apparel stuff. Like how much how yeah. much of that are you still into? I'm still into it for sure. You know, I'm looking at different ways to get better whether it's you know business or whether it's cooking whether it's interior designing um and i think this quarantine is a you know it's obviously horrible times and you know you worry about the less fortunate and right there's so many bad things going on in the world but you can also look at it as a positive thing in a way as far as you can get better at things you didn't know um you were bad at whether it's putting things together or for me interior designing and handyman work. So um, I'm looking at continuing to get better on that and definitely uh, enjoying it. That's great. Um, So I wanted to dive in a little, because we've got the time and we can stretch out. I've got a 14-year-old son, and I was telling him the story about how basically once you decided to get really serious about hockey, and and you can correct me if I'm telling this wrong, um, you know where you wanted to go to school and what that commitment and that commute looked like, can you yeah. share that? I like for for because my son's into sports, and I'm like, look, if you want to get serious, like there, it's not like mom and dad are going to drive you everywhere. Like there's, there's yeah. Sometimes you got to make a sacrifice, and I thought your story was super compelling. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, long story short, my dad went to um, University of Vermont on a scholarship yeah. for hockey. So growing up, obviously, I always wanted to play hockey, and I always just thought that the university route was the only really route. You know, that was always my dream. So I always wanted to go to uh, University of Michigan. And because of that, I knew being in the Toronto area, the GTA area at Brampton, uh, a lot of those players went to St. Mike's. So I lived in Brampton and I'd wake up every morning around, you know, six o'clock. And my mom would drive me downtown Brampton, which is what was about, I don't know, 25 minutes. I'd hop on a go bus from Brampton and take that to Yorkdale Mall. So then after the... Oh, how long 30s, is that for those that don't I mean, know? I mean, it's probably 40 minutes. Okay, so minutes. you're a 14-year-old on a bus for 40 minutes. So already, I already wouldn't allow my son to do this, but go ahead. <laughs> so I'm now at Yorkdale Mall after, you know, about a 40-minute drive. I then hop on a subway for about 20 minutes to go to uh, Bathurst and St. Clair area. 
So I get out there, I save mics, and I walk to my first class, and then I do that all again coming home. So it was, oh. you know, early mornings and getting home around dinner time, and then having to go practice or go play a hockey game. And you know, I got to give a shout out to my mother in a way as well for waking me up every morning and getting up with me and doing that drive. But it was, it was a lot of work um, being that young and doing that. And I'll be honest when I say. I've been on that bus ride and I slept through my stop a couple times. So yeah. I've, I've been late to my first period, but that was all part of the dream was, you know, getting to that university, whether it's University of Michigan or somewhere else. And that was the sacrifices that I had to make to do that. Now, obviously I ended up um, growing and understanding the, the OHL route and they just came out with that Canadian package as well back then. Um, so I ended up going to Plymouth Whalers and, you know, the rest is kind of history. And by Canadian package, you mean the the pocket full of cash you get? I'm sorry, I'm a college guy, so I'm always accusing. <laughs> no, you, no, no. You no the educational, yeah, okay. the educational. You know, it was uh, it was having to sell my mom that there was school there as well. Yeah, um, you know, so like before this time, you kind of went to OHL or you went to college, but now with uh, when I was you know going to the OHL, they also had the Canadian college part of the deal. So right. if you you know you played four years, you can still go to a Canadian university. So my mom liked. Um, that package and that route, just in case I uh, didn't make it to the NHL. Did, what era at Vermont did your dad play in? Like, was it like the like who who were some of his teammates? Do you know? Um, you John Leclerc was John Leclerc was probably the biggest name. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was teammates with him for a year and roommates with him for a year. So um, that was probably the biggest name back then. Yeah, and your dad was captain, right, by his senior year. He was, yeah, he was captain. Yeah, um, I don't know if it was senior year or if it was the last two years, but okay. um, he was captain. He was. Uh, so, so I'm told he was the complete opposite of me. He was a stay-at-home <laughs> defenseman and a fighter and a hitter and, you know, hands like rocks. So he says I got uh, hands from my mom's side, so I'm happy about that. That's awesome. Do you have any memory? Like, I don't know what you, what you remember. Because your mom played too, like of your parents playing or like did you ever watch old tapes? Yeah, I have memories of both. Um, my mom continued to play till I don't know, at least end of her 30s, early 40s. Um, she I was playing just um, – you know, pick a hockey in a women's league. She she loved the game. Yeah. Um, and then my memories of my dad are the same thing, playing with his buddies, playing with my godfather, Joe Kandata, um, and still taking it very seriously. You know, I still remember him getting in, uh, you know, beer league fights and everything. His nose is still <laughs> quite, quite fat, and you can tell it's been broken seven or eight times when I got the little pretty boy nose. I'd never been broken, knock on wood. So we're definitely uh, opposites there. That's great. What? All right, so we got the scouting report on dad. What's the scouting report on your mom? Soft hands, uh, yeah. the goal scorer, the the skill in the family, um, and then my dad was the the toughness behind it. So I only got one career fight, but my dad says I got more in there if I ever want to pull him out. But I doubt <laughs> it. <laughs> Who's your fight? I don't know this. Patrick Nemeth. Um, it was. Is that, it was. Yeah, a couple of years ago. So well, how'd it go? My- um, I didn't lose. You know, okay. I, I, I don't. I don't know if I won, but I didn't lose. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, uh, it kind of just happened. I, you know, you black out a little bit when it happens and I enjoyed it and I'd do it again if I had to, but I'm not, uh, not necessarily looking for it. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. so did you, did Michigan recruit you? Like how far did it get with Michigan? <clears throat> so Michigan, you know, got all the way to the point of, you know, where you could, um, get a full ride or not. And I didn't quite get it. Uh, you know, I had offers from other schools, um, and it's been so long now that I can probably just yeah. say that, you know, I was kind of pissed off about it. It was always my, my dream. And, you know, I went to Red Barrington's, uh, hockey camps when I was like 12, 13 years old, uh, in the summers and, you know, got to see all the, the big boys out there and their team. Um, so it was just always my dream of mine and I had other offers, but I wasn't really fully getting one for Michigan. Um, and then one summer I just grew six inches and I was going into, you know, making that decision and. Um, I had a, a friend that I worked out with named Chris Terry, and he was mm-hmm. the captain of uh, Plymouth Whalers at the time. And he was getting in my ear that summer uh, training in varsity or in Brampton at this place called Varsity. And um, I just knew that that was uh, my my sign and where I was going to go. So I went ninth overall to Plymouth Whalers, and uh, you know I had a okay rookie year, nothing special. And then my second year, Mike Vellucci came and took over the team, and you know found something in me and believed in me and. Um, put me to that next level. And after that, all I could hear was Taylor Hall or Tyler Sagan in the rest of history. <laughs> so 
I remember that. Oh, that was my childhood. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. Did so? Did did Michigan ever make a full offer? I don't. I don't recall them ever making a full offer. No. So oh, no. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, so I mean, if they make a full offer, do you go to Michigan? That's the question. Yeah. I mean, especially early on. You know, I remember them giving one to another player um, that played for, I think, the Honey Bake. And I remember it really bothered me because I thought I was better than that player. I didn't know him, but I remember I was just a kid and it was just kind of, it, it just it just really fired me up when I heard that someone else got an offer and I hadn't gotten one yet. Yeah. Um, and that just, that just led to my next, my next decision. And then I thought I was also going to get drafted to Erie Otters. Um, you know, I think it was second overall, and they took someone else, and then that fired me up even more. And then it just little things that you remember that just got you get to made you have that extra tick, and, and here we are. So does that stuff? You do you get motivated by? It? Clearly, you do. I mean, that's yeah, you get that motivated kind of external by stuff. You get motivated by those two things. You know, you get motivated when I got cut from World Juniors. Um, yeah. You know, I th- uh, that was always a dream of mine as well, and. You know, I got cut, and the coach at the time was uh, the Mississauga head coach. And I remember, you know, a couple of weeks after getting cut, we went and played Mississauga, and I had three goals and a couple assists or something. There's little things that, yeah, you know, you just always remember and things that that help drive you. And um, you know, that was definitely one of those things growing up as well. All right, so who was the honey baked kid that Michigan gave a full? full I don't, don't want. I don't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't want to get there. I'm gonna. Well, I mean, surely I could do some math after this, but I, I don't right, even you know, know if he. I don't even know if he played there, if he had a plane or not. I can't remember. I know his name, but I'm not. I don't want to just throw right. the bus right now. He didn't do anything wrong, but I mean, no, I know, I know. We I can just... have an, we can have a nice off air topic when you want to do that. <laughs> all right, all right. We won't put him out there. Um, so around this time, I remember. I think you did a Players Tribune story where I mean, that told about this this area time of your life, and you said that um, when you were 16. A, a coach sat you down and I don't think you named the coach and, but basically said, Hey, you, you've got the skill to do it. You know, here's yeah. what it's going to take. Can you share that story? And do you remember who that was? Yeah, that was Mike Felucci. Was it Mike? Um, okay. It was Mike. Yeah. Someone I still keep in contact uh, with to the day. Um, I mean, he was, you have many coaches, you know, through your life and your career, but he was definitely the, the one coach as far as, you know, in that time slot that really got me to the next level. Um, he kind of just basically explained to me one day early on in my second year when he used to go over that. Um, I was in his office and he said, you know, this can either be, you know, this NHL thing can either be your dream or this can be your goal. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, I see the skill in you. You know, at this time I'm playing, you know, fourth line minutes. You know, I'm not doing anything crazy. Um, he's like, I see the skill in you. I see the confidence in you, the fire behind you. I, I think this should be a goal, not a dream. And like the next night, he someone was hurt. And he put me on the first line with uh, Chris Terry um, and Matt Kriath, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And the rest was kind of history. You know, Terry finished with 100 and something points. This was the end of my first year, sorry. He finished yeah. with 100 something points. Um, and then when I came in my second year, I just kind of had that, the belief from my coach in me and that, that swagger and confidence. And, you know, I went from, 50 60 points to 106 that year so it was a big change what's um what makes mike a good coach people seem to really like him yeah it's funny i mean i've heard you know some some guys say they didn't like him some guys say they love him that's how it is with any good coach these days you know it's it's how you handle his message and you know he was the first the first real coach that maybe understand accountability and understand um you know, the team first mentality and, and how to get there and how to be accountable. I just always heard the long word and couldn't really spell it even back then or pronounce it right, but he, he <laughs> right. helped me understand it all. And, you know, he was just, uh, he, he was an NHL coach in the OHL league. Um, he needed yeah. more experience to get to NHL level. And he's an NHL coach right now in the HL league. You saw what he did last year um, in the AHL. And um, he, he was just that guy that whenever I think back up to that, that coach that made me understand the whole professional athlete side, you know, even away from the rink, you know, that was the coach that um, opened my eyes to that. Yeah. Um, so I started noticing you right around, you, you mentioned then it became Taylor versus Tyler. That's when I started mm-hmm. paying attention. And, and, and I love that's, I love it. Cause that was the first, when I, you know, draft as a national writer, I was diving into. So it's always okay. like, I love that era. And so when did you first start? Well, hearing well, those? Who'd, you, well who'd you pick? Who did I pick? Yeah, did you have Halsey or did you have Say? Between the two of you guys? Yeah. 
Um, who, um, you can be honest. It's, it's okay. Gosh, it was a long time ago, Tyler. It was, <laughs> That's okay. I mean, it was, I was, it was I definitely. Was, I was. I was a fan of Taylor Hall too. I mean, he was. <laughs> he was, was something I never seen before, really. Well, so because I was, I am, and was based in Detroit, so it was easy. Like I was going to Windsor yeah. and going to Plymouth, and it was like I just I loved the whole thing. And and did you enjoy? Like, well, first of all, let me just back up. When did that first to you become a thing? Like the Hall Sagan stuff. Yeah, like or when Taylor did you start hearing t- Taylor versus Death? Like that's that's gonna um, last forever. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to put to a date. I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably you know around maybe Christmas. Um, okay. Yeah, I want to say around there somewhere. You know, I started hearing the, the Taylor or Tyler because because I kept hearing people would call me Taylor Taylor Sagan, you know, because oh, they get confused with with Taylor Hall, and I started hearing that, and then obviously you know playing in Plymouth and he's in Windsor. You know, you kind of naturally rivalry, uh, yeah. Naturally, and obviously, uh, Windsor also had. I mean, they were a powerhouse back then. You know, like you, we kind of knew in the back of our mind every year, both years, it was K gets to the playoffs and get to the first round and try to beat Windsor in the second round. You know, there's right. never that we're we're better than Windsor. They're just stacked, and um, they were ridiculous. Just for the they record, were ridiculous. like that they was were like ridiculous. the Cam Fowler group, yeah. right? With Taylor, Cam Fowler, and then they had like was a Nemes too, who was a first rounder, like top yeah. fifteen came back, and that's right. You know, they were they were just stacked, and they had Ryan Ellis, and that's so anyways, right. you know, they, were, yeah. they had all those guys. They had then they had the tough guys too. They had all the meets, and back then, you know, when you're it was still kind of a tough guy league. You know, was that the Zach Cassian era too? Was he on Cass- that team? Cassian was there too. Oh. Um, was it McDermott that was there too? I think McDermott <laughs> was there too. So, and then I'm also like the target of the team. So, anyways, right. you know, it was. I mean, it was fun though, like the Taylor Tyler, and it was funny. Yeah. We used to uh, obviously because we're all younger. We used to talk about you know the 18 year olds and everything, and 19 year olds would go to Windsor um, to go drink. You know, because okay. we were in this, we were in Michigan, so we'd hear yeah. like the vets talking after the game to the Windsor guys about where they're going out in Windsor <laughs> that night after the game. So it was a rivalry on the ice and off the ice. It wasn't, but but anyways, no. I mean, it was it was fun times. I always had fun playing against Taylor and just all the the hype. And you know, we'd be playing in Plymouth and we'd be you know sold out four thousand people. But we, I'd look in the corner and I'd see like a hundred guys wearing black with black notepads so yep. i always knew it was scout it was scout night too like as a right. junior and you know as a player you if you're being honest you, you always see them you know where they are you know where they're sitting you know how many are in attendance that night um so no like i said it was always fun and um taylor and i got to know each other a little bit as well at the end of the year you know he's a 91 born so i never had any contact with him or or saw, right. saw much growing up because i'm a 92 um, but I got to know him and, uh, you know, always, we're always still, you know, nice to each other and never had any beef or never like this, you know, Taylor, Tyler, massive rivalry or competition. Um, you know, I always, always still secretly cheer for him and, um, and watch his career. And secretly hope that yours is a little bit better. Well, I mean, there's, <laughs> we're competitive for athletes, right? But I mean, I was, I was happy as anyone else when, you know, he won the MVP um seeing when he went through you know leaving edmonton i mean i left yeah. boston you know there's just so many there's so many things where we've gone separate ways in your career and there's so many things that are still the same in our career um you know having having the same gm and peter shirelli as well i mean that's right you can sit here and write a book about you know the different things but um you know we had we had fun with uh what we had to go through um did you so god i forgot peter did the, both those deals did mm-hmm. So you're all right. So you're sitting there. I think, if I remember correctly, you were number one rated, right? By yes. Central so Scouting. I was. I don't know if it changed, but I remember going to World Junior Camp. I I just like the four days before the camp, I had got rated number one, and Taylor was number two. Because so I remember having that, like, you know, I wouldn't. I'm not gonna say cockiness, but I remember I was going to camp confident. I'm yeah. like, you know, I this is my spot to lose, and I didn't think I did anything wrong to lose that spot. Right, and then I just you know I got in the meetings with the coaches, and the, you know the head coaches told me they're going with the older team. Um, it was just one of the conversations that I remember, you know, how I felt after what I was wearing, you know, one of those things mm-hmm. that stick with you. Um, but anyways, yeah. So when it came to the draft time, I think he got back, went back to slot at number one. And now you got to remember too, going into the second year of my OHL, my draft year, Cam Fowler was actually number two going in, and I think I was like. I was a little bit lower, you know, a couple okay. more points back. 
Um, but I got off to a good start, and this was all, you know, thanks to Mike Bellucci as well. And then it became the Taylor Tyler thing. This is all coming back to me. I haven't thought about this in a long time. It's I no, and like I remember, yeah, because I would go watch these games. That's right. Cam was like the locked in three. So then yeah. when he slips in the draft, it was crazy. Yeah. Like it was nuts. Well, he and, was. I mean, it was going into that year. I remember I was. It was. It was Cam Fowler and Taylor Hall, and then I kind of came in um within the first little bit and then Cam Fowler ended up being he was like okay number three for sure so we kind of had one or two and then a third and then you know obviously then the draft happened Mm. that was that was wild did you um what do you remember about talking to Edmonton so that like I'm sure there was a like a crazy time where you're talking to all those teams a lot yeah so obviously you have all your meetings and stuff but I mean I guess I got a story that I don't know if anyone's I don't know if we've ever talked about it or if it's been out there. It's blank in my memory. Um, but so Hall and I, Taylor and I actually flew out to Boston and Edmonton together in one weekend. Mm. So we went out to Edmonton on a Friday. And this is when I really, you know, first got to know him. I mean, I had talked to him a couple of times, like high and buys and, you know, congrats on winning or playing the games. But I didn't, I didn't know him, obviously, because he was a 91 birth year and I'm a 92. Um, but I got to really know Taylor when we went to Edmonton and Boston. So on one weekend, we went to Edmonton one night. Um, so like Taylor would go with, uh, you know, the, the, the owners and management and I go with the coaches and then we'd rotate whether it's a dinner or lunch. Um, so, you know, going to Edmonton and everything, I mean, it was a great city. I got to meet some of the players and, you know, wasn't sure, obviously, if uh, it was Edmonton or Boston. And the next day we hopped on another flight. We went to Boston and, you know, in Boston, we had to do a little testing, which we didn't have to do in Edmonton. So we kind of figured Boston might be a little bit more of a, a tougher place to play just from the two experiences of the, of the recruitment trips, if you want to say, but, um, got to know Taylor and, um, you know, obviously a great guy and, um, you know, I was, I was happy I went to Boston. That's great. Do you remember how it went with Edmonton? Like what, what kind of questions they were asking or how that process was? Yeah. I mean, I don't remember the questions. I remember going, um, to the owner's house and I remember, you know, talking to them, everything. Um, but I don't remember like, you know, one, one question that was like right. a trick question or anything like, you know, sometimes you hear, um, but yeah, you know, no, nothing really. And then you go to Boston and it's, it's Peter and, and so they did some testing. What was that? Like, what was that process like in Boston? Well, Boston, we got to Boston, um, and we did testing that was, you know, kind of like their training camp testing. Um, now mind you back then, I was say, you know, is I, it allowed? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to sewer Boston, but I'm not a Bruin anymore. But I don't know what the rules were. But we went to Boston to testing. Okay. Um, so I don't even remember. If it, I don't even remember. Like uh, this might have been a week before the 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 draft or or when it was. I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, yeah. But anyway, so we get to Boston. We do some testing, and I remember back then. You know, I was I was already working out. You know, a little bit. Um, when I was, you know, eight, 17, 18 and Taylor Hall kind of was just starting. So I knew I had like an advantage as far as, you know, weightlifting, but then Hall had the advantage of he was that good and wasn't completely a workout horse. Like I was already, you know what I mean? Right. So I realized that at that time too. And, uh, I think you could, you know, look at it both ways if you're a GM and, and drafting a player. Cause you know, I remember going to the combine and having good scores and everything and, you know, Taylor just finished the M Cup, so I don't know if he actually did combine stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, so we get to Boston, and uh, I'll never forget doing the testing and going to eat dinner with uh, Tuka Rask, and back then was, you know, it was pretty cool to be with an NHL player, and it was Tuke. So, um, no, we had a good time, and then we, we, we hopped on a plane Sunday and, you know, talked about where we wanted to go and this and that, and uh, the rest is history. That's crazy. Where yeah. was the draft? Where was your draft? I don't the know. draft was in L.A. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so you, so you're flying back out of Boston with Taylor too. So you're with him a lot at this point because you I'm guys do all the draft stuff and yeah. And, and it was, that. I mean, it was good just because I didn't, you know, we didn't know each other. You know, right. like a lot of times you you go up playing against these guys or knowing who they are or anything. Like I first heard Taylor Hall's name at an OHL Cup, and I just heard about some kid who got like four or five goals for Kingston, and I think it was Kingston he was playing for then. Yeah. Um, and that was the first time I heard Hall's name, you know, growing huh. up my whole life, I heard John McFarland and Jeff Skinner, you know, those are kind of the two guys I heard all the time. And then John McFarland had like Tyler Toffoli on his team, Devo yeah. Pelly and all these guys. 
Um, but I never heard of Taylor Hall really, um, just because of the age difference. And then, you know, sure enough, uh, we got to know each other and, you know, it's funny. We still do once in a while, these Taylor and Tyler interviews and, um, <laughs> it's just, uh, people always look for like this hidden, you know, rivalry or, you know, don't like each other. But I mean, I, I, I like Taylor a lot, you know, I love his hockey game. Um, and I, I definitely am a fan of his and, you know, follow his career and, you know, I, I want him to get in the playoffs. You know, I think he's worked so hard to get there and he's yeah. on a different team now again. And, you know, I have, uh, I don't want him to be in the central and have to take, you know, my playoff spot, but you know, I want him to get in the playoffs and hopefully beat them. You know, that, that'd be, that'd be uh, fun as well. But, you know, I'm, uh, I'm definitely a fan. It'd be more fun if you guys hated each other. Like, it would be I if know, you guys I had agree. just agreed to Ben, just like, let's just and, be and all we, out and we, and we definitely laugh about that. Everyone kind of looks for that too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's definitely, it's just definitely not the case. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So, did you, like I, I always wonder, like how when did you know he was going to Edmonton? Was it like on the clock, or when do you get an inclination that how it's going to go out? And in, in no, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't remember knowing before it actually happening. Um, I remember hearing rumors, you know, within like the hour leading up that Edmonton was going to select Taylor. Yeah. Um, and I was, I mean, I was ready to go to Boston. You know, I was, I was yeah. all for it, and um, so when I took Taylor, I was happy for him but i was also happy to be going to boston you know if, if edmonton took me i was gonna be happy as well i mean i was just happy to be an nhl player and even being talked about a one or two so um i know it's like a your typical humble answer but it's truth. Right. i was i was living, living my dream and i was ready to be a an nhl player that's that's me and like look that that's a, almost a perfect scenario like so many of these guys get put placed on these awful teams like really like poor taylor mm-hmm. had to, that was brutal early on in his career when he had to go through an edmonton and so yeah so ahead. now here's the thing like i kind of look at it at both ways you know especially with today's game i mean if you get drafted first overall or top two or three you know you're supposed to go to a team that's not great or not playoff ready you know and i got blessed with going to boston who you know obviously was i think it was the kessel trade and everything yeah um and i got to go win a stanley cup now i wouldn't change trade that for the day or nothing i mean i'm so happy about that i wouldn't give that for anything but then i hear people saying you know well you should have matured quicker or been a better hockey player quicker or all this and that but it was you know i'm going trying to earn my place on the fourth line you get to go top three picks now you're going somewhere where you're getting 20 minutes to start you know and that's just where the the game is so i see both views but i definitely wouldn't give uh my Stanley cup back for anything so right right no, like that's the thing. It wasn't your team. You were showing, like, and that was such that, like, there was and still is so much personality, like veteran personality on mm-hmm. that Boston Bruins team that you're walking into. So you just I mean, gotta, like, I'm, I, I'm, it's our, our text has been blowing up the last few days and the last few weeks. Like, we still have this Boston Bruins chat from 2011, and we got something coming out uh, in the next few days that, um, I think the Twitter world everyone's going to see, but we've been in contact nonstop. I mean, it, it's yeah. funny how, you know, something can happen this long ago and it's still, you know, it's still Mark Recchi on there, Ryder or Z or Marshy. You know, we just have this bond that you hear about, but you don't yeah. know it until you're a part of it. And it's what you try to, you know, put into different places that you go to. So, um, it, it definitely makes you, you, you want to win more than just one Stanley Cup for sure. Yeah, I did, I did notice you nominated Brad Marchand as is for yeah. the all in thing. So you guys still yeah. clearly are. Yeah, we still yeah we still definitely keep keep in touch and and chat. So um, you know he was a close buddy of mine for sure, and, and still is. Um, you said once that you wished it had happened later, winning a Stanley Cup, and I, yeah. like, and I'm sure you're obviously you're not trying to change history, but no. What did you mean by that? I just meant um, understanding the complete worth of the Stanley Cup. Right. You know, I, I'm, you know, and this don't make this be like a pity yeah. party at all, but, you know, you walk in your NHL career, your first year, boom, win a Stanley Cup. The second year, your team's even better, and you get upset first round in Washington against Washington. Mm-hmm. Your third year is the lockout year. You go through a lockout, you play in Europe, you come back, you go to the Stanley Cup final again, and you lose to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here in my first three years, and I go, I want a Stanley Cup. I then, you know, had an even better team. And then, boom, I, I'm in the Stanley Cup Finals again. And I'm like, this is going to happen all the time. Like, <laughs> this is, like, this is going to happen all the time, you know? Like, that's that's where I wish I just knew 
the the grind of it, the understanding right. of it, or even even like the leadership side, or understanding the team side, and how much more it is than just you know a piece of a medal and just just everything that that comes to it. And I remember si- I remember standing in the dressing room. I'll never forget this moment. You know, I'm standing in the dressing room after we win the Stanley Cup, and I'm with Marshawn, and he he has me throw up this this hand sign. And it's actually Viva La Stool, which is the Barstool sign. Yeah. So this is Zolongo. This is right when Barstool's first first opening, you know, first kind of starting and getting going. Yeah. And I remember looking over and seeing um, Big Z and Recky. And they're like these grown men that are so emotional. Right. So I remember right. looking over at them and I'm sitting here with a big smile. You know, I got a, my first cigar I've ever had in my mouth and, <laughs> um, you know, fake drinking beer because obviously I was too I was underage then couldn't drink beer. Um <laughs> okay that's all right. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta say it like that. Uh-huh. Um and looking over and seeing how emotional these men are. And mm. and I knew how I knew how awesome it was the Stanley Cup and I was so happy, but I didn't I didn't have that feeling those grown men had. And I didn't understand it. And now sitting here in my tenth season you know, talking about maybe not even playing playoffs this year or having yeah. a Stanley Cup. You know, I know that. I know that feeling. You know, I know. I, I understand more what the Stanley Cup is and how hard it is to get there and the grind and the. You know, even if you have a great team, you know that one off playoff round or Tampa last year. Or there's yeah. so many things to it that I didn't understand my first year. So that's what I mean when I say I wish I won it later. Um, but I mean, it's it's all these things that obviously you know, drive me to, to win again, you know, somewhere new, you know, not the, not the third or fourth line, you know, winger that, you know, has a couple of good games and, you know, helps in a way, but isn't like one of the, the focal points, you know, I want to be a part of something, you know, bigger here in Dallas and having that taste of what it is uh, and not forgetting one bit, you know, those, those grown men, I, you know, I want that feeling. So that's what yeah. I'm chasing here in Dallas and, um, you know, we have a great team here and everything and, and I want to do it with this, uh, special group of guys. So, um, that's just what I meant when I said, you know, I wish right. I went later. And just a mat, like now imagine doing it now and you're, I mean, you're not quite the old man in the corner, but you're standing no. next to Joe Pavelski who's gone through yeah. wars, man. Like for this well, stuff. Look at even our, even our coach. I mean, Rick yeah. Bonus. I mean, there's so oh many. Gosh. There's so many special stories and, you know, I, I look at Twitter and I see different players talking about their teams and, you know, how they think they have something special. And I'm sitting here saying, I think we have something special and I think we have something even more special because that's how I feel. Right. Um, so, you know, that's that's why we're here. And, you know, that's why, uh, you know, a big reason why I'm down to play this year in playoffs, whether it's, you know, fans or no fans or, you know, I don't want to miss there's only so many years or so many opportunities to get a piece of, or get a chance at the Stanley cup. So, right. you know, I'm all for playing hockey this year and um, we obviously play for the fans and we hope that there'll be fans there um, in the stands. But if there's not, you know, I don't want to miss an opportunity to, uh, to win. So, you know, I want to play. Um, so I, like you mentioned, you were, you know, you're playing on the third line or whatever, but I do remember that, that what your first game in when I think it was Bergeron had a, like concussion or, or he, he was out and they plug you yeah. in what was as as a young player a teenage kid can't even have a beer yet in the states do you like how, how did you find out you're getting in the lineup what can you take me through that day yeah um so i mean i think the series is before um i was with uh shane 90 who uh he was the other guy scratched a lot you know he yeah. was kind of my uh my my guy to lean on and you know the guy that was in my year and you know i see him all the time in winnipeg and now i think he's in vegas and um so he's a guy i have a lot of memories with but he was the guy kind of my year just saying stay ready um you know playoffs are long they're drying you know injuries happen yeah Um, so i was just staying prepared and you know i remember i kept hearing and on the radio in boston and seeing tweets and you know i had a, a a pretty good following there in boston and uh my own little fans so i mean they all wanted me to get in a game so i remember stepping in my first game obviously because bergeron got hurt um and knowing i was going to get in and you know claude julian told me i'm playing i remember staying, stepping in my first game and hearing a loud war like mm. a like a loud guy standing up and, and clapping in the crowd so i'll never forget that feeling um and i think okay. our first you know the first game 
you know, you're a kid, you're, I'm 18, you know, or maybe I was 19 <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And to hear like, you know, the, the TD guard in Boston, you know, fans cheering when I just come on the ice, you know, just cause they wanted me to get in the game. I mean, it was, right. it was pretty special. Something I'll never forget. Um, but I remember the first game, I think we lost, but I had, I think I had a goal that game. Yep. I just remember feeling like, you know, I could do this. You know, I, I feel good. I have confidence even, even if it's playoffs, you know, I think I can be a part of something here and uh and chip in and then that next game was kind of like my coming out party um i was playing with Ryder and chris kelly and you know that second period i think i I had two goals and two assists and that was just my it took me you know 80 82 plus games but that was my real like coming nhl moment where yeah you know i kind of broke out and i remember leaving that game i remember getting in an elevator at my condo um, with my manager uh, or my buddy at the time john walters and you know he leaned in and said heck of a game and you know, I remember sitting there and saying aloud, you know, I can do this. I can be a part of this league and uh, and really belong here. And it took a while to really feel that feeling, you know, playing on a veteran team. That right. was already really good, you know, not playing 20 minutes a night, kind of bumping from second, third, fourth line. That's when I really felt it. And, and sure enough, we won the Stanley Cup. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, here we are nine years, ten years later. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. You mentioned, you mentioned during this era of the lockout, and I love that you played – in switzerland with patrick yeah. kane that had yeah that had to like again you want to be playing you want to be competing for a stanley cup you, you're sure you didn't want to be doing that but yeah how, what was that experience like that was awesome um, yeah that had you to know i've said like, yeah I, I don't want i don't want another lockout but obviously if we did i mean i'm open to saying oh, i'm gonna go back to europe i had so much fun playing in that league just a, a just a whole different hockey game you know it's yeah. bigger ice it's something i've never really played on um the Europeans are so skilled. They're a little smaller and so fast. Uh, and then obviously playing with Kane here. I mean, I just sat in the power play. That's really where I discovered kind of a, a one-timer in a way. I knew I had a good one-timer, mm. but, you know, I didn't really get set up in a power play spot like that in Boston much before that. And then at that, when I was in Switzerland, Kane are obviously one of the best passers in the world. I sat in the dot and, you know, I think I had 20-something goals um, when he was over there. And I just, I even went in the games having my stick a little longer and not even worry about passing or stick handling because I just knew he was going to find me, and I just had to, you know, score top shelf. So hmm. um, that was that was great. I had a lot of fun and um, kind of rediscovered my power play spot there when I was. That's over crazy. There like that's where it happens, right? You, like it just yeah. You just kind of, and then I brought it back to to Boston, and then uh, I think that summer I got traded and I headed over to to Dallas, and that kind of power play spot stayed with me. And then Jason Spezza came and. You know, kept having it, and you know, kind of here we are now. Did you ever have? Did you have a moment with Patrick Kane in the? I mean, you you're playing with him, and then you're playing against him in the Stanley. Yeah, Cup I mean, we're always guys... we're, we're 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 still good friends ever since that. We lived in the same uh, apartment building out in Switzerland. I was there for I think, you know, ten fifteen games before he came in. Um, yeah, and then he I didn't know him at all, but we started touch we started uh, talking touching base uh, before he came over. He was just asking how it was. Um, now Beale is a great city, um, and then Bern is kind of like an amazing city, you know, as far as history and restaurants and everything. So it was a twenty-five minute drive. Yeah, so we'd hop, we'd hop in our little Skoda, and um, we'd hop, we'd cater, and I would drive over to Bern, and we have dinner most of the nights there, and um, went to some movies, and we'd go out to Zurich and go shopping. And I mean that 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 place, Switzerland, the country is just amazing out there. I mean, it's like a five-hour drive from one side to the other. And then uh, during New Year's and Christmas, we went up, we went up to Davos for the Spangler Cup. And I played for Canada. He played for Davos. And we had a lot of fun there, too, and um, going up in the Alps and everything. And no, it was, just, it was just an amazing time. And I had amazing pictures. And I definitely go back again. Let me interrupt this conversation with Tyler to share a few words about the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? Turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible, unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from someone so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country 
where you can pick your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, which I would hope you would, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code THEFULL60. That's theblacktux.com, code THEFULL60 for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. So you, one of the interesting things, I'm sure every player has versions of this, but you, so you played with Patrick Kane in in Switzerland. You yeah. you played with Jeff Skinner, right? Like as a kid? Yeah, I played with, yeah, Skinner. Um, well, a lot of times, a lot of times I didn't play with them. I, I yeah. went like up, I went up here a lot, up here, down here, up here, down here. But then my last year, my draft year, I played with Jeff Skinner and actually my teammate now, um, Jamie Alexia. Yeah. So that was our draft year team. Yeah, and you played, you know, with Canada internationally. Mm-hmm. Who's who's your favorite non like NHL teammate to play with in the in those? Um, that's tough. Um, we actually we had a pretty good uh we had a really good um world championship team a couple years ago. I don't, I don't the the Prague year when you guys won the it? Prague year, yeah. Yeah. That was I had a ton of fun at that. Obviously, you know, not making um world juniors and then, you know, I didn't make Olympics. Um, I made World Cup, but obviously got got hurt in Game Two against the U.S. Um, but that I don't that remember that game, you did, eh? I don't remember. Yeah, that. so so I was there, and then the second game against the U.S. Um, Sutter gave me a little jab, like not dirty play, just kind of like put me off balance, and I went to the boards and I cracked my heel bone, mm. and then I tried to I tried to hide it for probably two days at practice, but then finally. <laughs> You know, Babs is like, "Sakes, what's going on?" And I was yeah. like, "All right, let's go talk." You know, I got to be honest here. Um, so, I, anyways, yeah, I had to pull shoot, but um, yeah. so the World Championship team is pretty great. That was the first real time I got to know um, Sidney Crosby a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, so playing with him and seeing what ticks him and everything that was pretty uh, pretty good. And you know, becoming friends with him um, and just a special player, and you know, want to learn from him a lot. And I, but I guess my most uh, I don't know, funny teammate that I didn't know about was probably Brett Burns. Yeah. You know, Burnsy, getting to know him on the bus out in Prague. I mean, I was a big fan of his and just the way he looks, no teeth and crazy hair. Um, probably him and uh, Smitty, our goalie back then. Those are two guys that I didn't know I'd be buddies with or, or how good of a teammates were that they were. Um, but they're, they're good guys. I love Brent. Brent and I got into a two-year-long argument about him having to pay for the athletic because he felt like we, since we were writing about him, <laughs> I, he shouldn't I, have I, to pay. I back him up. I, I get billed for the athletic too. I don't like Well, it. thank you for your support, first of all. But, <laughs> I'm like, but Brent. Usually, but but the, the athletic's where I found out about the effing bull crap and all that stuff. That's oh, my gosh. Well, that, that was, was our story. Sean Shapiro did that one. Yeah. Yeah, but that's when I was like, I should get a discount now or something. Shouldn't I? <laughs> we, if, you swear, if you swear about me, I want a discount. <laughs> you know what? I will say, if, if for the amount of interest that story generated, we should have comped mm. both you and... and you guys and probably the, made uh, a lot of money off that. Yeah, yeah we made a lot of money off that story, yeah. if I remember correctly. So, yeah. yeah you're we, welcome, guys. So give, <laughs> it to, give it to coronavirus relief, right? <laughs> all right, all right. No, that's that's kind of forgot about that too. Um, so, yeah. So Brent and I get in this. So finally, I'm like, every time I see you, I go, "Fine, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay out of my own thing. We don't co- like it's just the model." I'm like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna buy you a thing." And and Brent's like, "Thank you." And then like a month ago, I get an email. Hey man, my my the thing you bought me is out. And I'm like, "Hey Brent." <laughs> like, I know what oh, I make and I know what he best. makes, but you know what? He's the best. And I learned a lot about, um, he, he um, I, I like learning a lot about cooking elk and barbecue through his Instagram. Yeah. So I figure it's, yeah, it's a good cares, he, I, I just, I, you meet this guy, you know, and he's got, you know, no teeth and crazy hair and he's got this big backpack at all times, yep. you know, and you go, what's in the backpack? And he's got things in the backpack that are, he's ready for anything to come you know anything if the yeah. if the world's ending in that day you know what's in his backpack he's ready to go whether it's cooking or hunting or anything and he's just such a good character and i just really uh really enjoyed his company and being a teammate with him for uh, a tournament so that was why uh, i picked him he's great i could t- i'm going to we actually i was bugging him to get him on here I, he- he's he's a guy i could talk about or with forever because he's always into like something crazy like he'll be like yeah. i'm really into like tea right now or bottled water <laughs> or something random and he'll know everything yeah. like and then you'll just move on to the next thing oh, that's cool though. 
Knowledge um, power. Knowledge is power. Um, our, so, all right. So, I'm trying. I got sidetracked, but I do. I didn't want. Like, I, I don't want to get into the trade too much. But I, because we were kind of going in order, you, you mm-hmm. get Dal. Where did you find out about the trade to Dallas? Like, what, what's the I story? Was, I'm sure you've told this, but I, I, I don't know. I was in. I think it was called Osterville, like around Cape Cod. It was July 4th. Okay. And I had um, all my closest friends with me. So like all my buddies, there's probably, I don't know, 20 of us. Yeah. And we were just hanging in the backyard on the beach. Um, and where we were, we didn't have good service. So you couldn't make a phone call. You couldn't really do anything. And now, mind you, I heard rumors about me getting traded um, around the draft. So okay. I remember, you know, watching the draft um, and, you know, just talking to my agent. He's just saying, yeah, there's rumors, but, you know, Boston's not saying anything. Um, and then so it was July 4th. So I wasn't expecting anything, right? Right. So I'm with, uh, I'm with all my closest friends. And then um, I remember one of my buddies, Alfred Gervais, he goes, hey, you got to check your phone. Something's going on. And, you know, people mm. are asking him, where's Tyler? Um because some phones are working, some weren't. Mine was in the house. So I go inside, my phone's on the charger, because I'll never forget this. And I see probably, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 messages. And all of them say Dallas. None of them really said anything like traded or anything, but everyone right. thinks said Dallas. And I'm sitting there in Osterville, and I don't know if it's Cape Cod or Massachusetts or whatever. But I have no idea. I don't know a thing about Dallas. Like we had only really <laughs> gone there once because we just had a lockout year. So you didn't really play the West teams, you know? Yeah, or they maybe it was just one. They came to you. I can't remember. Um, but I'd only been to Dallas once, and it was in and out. So, anyways, I didn't know a thing about Dallas, um, and I had to hop in a car and drive to downtown um, where I was, which is 15 minutes away, to make a phone call. Hmm. So, I get there, and then I listen to voicemails, um, and I talked to my agent, and he said, "Yeah, you just been traded to to Dallas, Dallas Stars." And then I got on the phone with Jim Neal. Um, a couple minutes later, and uh, I drove back to Boston, and I was gone within probably 24 hours uh, to Toronto, and that's just history. A couple of days later, I flew up to Dallas and had a press conference here, and it was 106 degrees, and I'm on the street looking for cowboys and horses and everything, you know, wondering <laughs> what Dallas is exactly, and I come down with just my two buddies, and yeah, it was hot, and we drove around and walked around. And we didn't know where to go or what was going on. Um, so it was a, it was definitely a shock for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. Were you like, was it anger or like what was the prevailing emotion in that? Time it was, it was just kind of a little bit of confusion. It was a little anger. It yeah. was you know sadness. It was then turned into happiness. You know, I, I landed right. in Dallas and. All I really knew about Dallas was I, pre- I, was, I thought that it was all country, and I thought it was horses and hillbillies, right. honestly. Right. Um, and I knew there was some guy with the last name Ben with really long bad hair. That's, that's <laughs> what I knew about Dallas. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah. So yeah. So anyways, I I ended up coming to Dallas, and you know, then after the press conference, I go home for the summer, and then I get in contact with uh, Jamie Ben, and I talk to him a little bit, and Jordy Ben, and. I got an apartment in the same building as them. So when I came back, you know, after not really knowing them at all, um, I went right, I landed, I went, dropped my bags off and I went right to Jamie Ben's apartment and I sat in the room for a couple hours and just, you know, talked, talked, and talked about really nothing. And, um, now the rest is history. Yeah. And like, and like you said, like this, this year's team, there's a feel to it. Like last year's team, that blue series was unreal. Like, were you, sick when the blues win or what's your emotion when you're like that's the team we had on the ropes yeah i mean it's uh it was something new this past off season for sure um you know you always watch this you you don't always watch i mean it usually takes me a couple of rounds to watch stanley cup finals or the playoffs if i don't make playoffs i'll probably watch them um but you know when you lose the playoffs it's hard to watch them but knowing who won was a little bit harder to watch you know this Mm. off season um, and knowing the games and where we were on home ice in game six. And, you know, you just learn different things. Um, just because you just, I've never played against the team that, besides being in the finals, you know, I've never played against the team that went on to win it all. Right. And knowing that we were right there. Yeah. So that, that was definitely tougher for sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that Jamie Ben, like that wraparound, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, the, like how close. I had, I had, I had front row seats, so I was right there. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Like, like, um, yeah. No, I mean, you, you can't, you can't sit there and think about that. You know, you can think about, you know, I scored one goal in the game before. What if I scored two goals? You know, there's right. so many different elements. You know, I'll never forget we're up two goals against Chicago. And I walked down the right, when I'm in Boston, I right, walked down the right hand wing and I hit the post. Oh. You know, so people don't even think about anything. Like, you can pick, you can put this down to one thing or a hundred. I mean, it's crazy what you can think about. So you try not to go down that little rabbit hole. But I mean, there's many chances that we had to, you know, we're sitting in game six at home on home ice, you know, up three to two. And, we lose that game pretty handily, and then Ben Bishop plays the best goaltending you know game I've ever seen. And I've played with many good goalies, and I played with Tim Thomas. I mean, that him in Game Seven in St. Louis was was incredible. There was just it was incredible. We were looking for some another spark, and you know, I'm sitting there on the bench. I'll never forget, you know, thinking you, know, you got to find one more level. It's just there was not much left in the tank, and um, we just couldn't we couldn't pull it off. And you know, so like I said, sitting at home. Um, St. Louis is a great team. You know, Game Seven, right. they just kept coming and coming, wave after wave, and we just couldn't find that answer. Um, and we learned a lot from it as a team and about ourselves. And um, but this offseason was definitely tougher than uh, the past ones. Um, yeah, it, it's and funny. Now this, that, and now, and now this offseason we're in right now. If this is, I guess this is offseason. This is just I weird. guess. Yeah, it is weird. It is. I mean, usually you take, you know, you take your three to four weeks off. You. You you drink a couple of drink a couple of beers. You go travel around, and this year I took like I don't know four days off. You know, yeah. I drank I drank twice in a month and a half. You know, you just you don't know what to do. I mean, I was I was doing a six week program. You know, after day four, saying you know we're gonna play again, and now I'm doing a sixteen week program, and it's just crazy times, and it's unknown, and it's uh you know it's, like I said, it's crazy. How like be honest? How much time do you need if they're like okay, we're turning the lights on? You just How need time. time. I mean, I'm. I'll be ready. Like the conditioning and, and off ice and training. You know, I'm ready to go, and, yeah. and I know I'll be ready to go. But you do need time on the ice. Right. You need to be just. You can't train for that the first couple of weeks of just the the lungs, the cold throat. You know, just being on the ice again. You can rollerblade as much as you want, or right. sit on an assault bike as much as you want. You need to get on the ice and go through those motions so we do need some kind of time now you know is that a week if you're a goalie maybe i don't know i think bitch said he right. needs a week but i mean if you're a player you need a couple weeks or you know three weeks i don't know I, I i've never been here before so i'm not sure right and like this notion that these teams that are like the ottawa senators are going to come back and play three regular season games or something i'm like i don't this doesn't yeah. add up to me i know so then you also you feel bad for you know i mean in one breath, you know, you, you don't feel bad because a team's not in a playoffs position. But another breath, right. you feel bad because you have some players that don't play from March to, what, November maybe? I mean, right. it's a long time without hockey. Um, now, this, in a way, is making me think of the World Cup, honestly, um, just because it's different. And we were, we were able to skate and prepare for this World Cup. Yeah. Um, and it was earlier. Than, it was, in, you know, kind of started training camp in August, I think it was, out in yeah. Ottawa. Um, but I was skating like crazy and, you know, all these other players in Canada, we're all talking about it after the first period against USA, you know, we had a preseason or a exhibition game against the US. I don't know if it was in Ottawa or it was in Columbus, might've been in Ottawa the first game. Yeah. So anyways, we come back after the first period and it's a playoff game. You know, you can't have an <laughs> exhibition game against the US. It is Canada, US. This is a playoff game. We are all dying. We're right. all cramping. We're have furnace face. You can't you can't prepare for a playoff game and expect to be feeling amazing. So that's how I look at this year. You know, we're all going to be going and going to our first playoff game, and it's going to be it's going to be tough. I mean, it's either going to be a playoffs if we end up playing it. It's going to be a playoffs where you know guys are getting hurt and it's not that great, or this is going to be the best playoffs you've ever seen because right. guys are rested and, fresh. and you have teams that have guys that are injured. You know, you look at the like Colorado. The guys that they had banged up, everyone's back, going to be ready to go. Um, so this is going to be an interesting playoff. I think this is going to be the hardest Stanley Cup to win. So we'll see. Uh, Drew Doughty said it doesn't really count as much. So I, I'm just now I I saw that comment. <laughs> so I saw that comment, and I like Dallas, and I, I think Doughty's a great guy. Um, and now, if he was sitting in the playoffs right now, I'd like to see if he make that same comment. So. <laughs> 
for sure. I mean, no, I think he even no, admitted. I, I, mean, yeah. I hope he admitted that just because, I mean, I'm sure he was kidding around, but I saw that too. And I'm like, there's no way he's dead serious about this. Come on. So oh, he's another one who's the best. Yes. He he's, he's funny. Well, he's just the best because he, he does, he's got no filter. You know, he's got something to say. He's going to say it. He's an honest guy. And I respect that. Other. Yeah. And like, and we're, we're wrapping up here, but he, like, and you've kind of always been the same way. And that's why I, I was always, I was a little bit surprised. Like, I thought you were going to be a wild card in free agency. Like, I was surprised you re-upped with Dallas. I'm gonna, yeah, like, I mean, it it, it was, it, I, I got to watch John Tavares. You know, I kind of had mm. the, I kind of had the, now you can, you know, bicker, argue, whatever, Tavares is better, you know, Sagan could be better. Like, I don't know, whatever. Right. But I knew those were kind of the, the shoes you're going to follow. And I watched it very closely behind closed doors, just the process and everything. And, um, and then I just sat back, you know, in my, on my couch in Dallas. And I said, you know, how am I happy here? Do I love this yeah. place? And, you know, Dallas is just home to me. Um, you know, I was looking for that feeling ever since you leave Toronto when you're, you know, 14 on a bus going to St. Mike's or going to Michigan to play with Plymouth Whalers or going to Boston Bruins for a couple of years and winning a cup and now in Dallas and this just felt like home and I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, play a couple of years and go somewhere else again. You know, I wanted yeah. to draw my feet and the, I love Dallas. I love the city. I love the people, you know, I have uh, friends here and. You know, obviously, Toronto's uh, where I grew up and where my family is, but you know, Dallas is is home now. You know, I, I'm gonna stay here in the summers as well. So that was just uh, the the route I wanted to take. And you know, obviously, money aside, um, I was just I was just happy here, and I wanted to make something work. So you know, uh, we did something with Jim Nill, and that was it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the time. Do you have any anything you want to plug for watching or reading for people that are have extra time on their hands right now? Um. Watching or reading, I guess probably just watching the startup is a show called, that's called the the startup that I'm really enjoying. Yeah, um, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, basically the about the startup. Yeah, so I think it came out like 2016. Um, I just kind of found it, um, and my buddies are watching it too now, and it's it's an awesome show. So people need to watch, or if people need a show to watch, I'd say watch the startup. All right, that's a good one. Are you a big? Do you have like? Uh, do you get involved in like equity of startups and that sort of thing? Like, I'm actually, I actually am right. I actually am right now. My first like real one. I'm like get involved in a true startup. Um, that's just kind of it's just kind of coming together now. So I'll leave really? it out of it. But you'll remember this uh, conversation when we get back to it. But yeah, I mean, it was funny because <laughs> I'm watching the show, and then sure enough, you know, I get you know, I get talked to about this uh, business opportunity and having equity in this company. And it's, it's literally just about a startup. And um, so hopefully it works out, but you know, can you say what that. it is or no? I, I don't want to know. I can maybe tell okay. you off the air just because <laughs> I don't know. So I just want to see it keep progressing before I do anything. I don't want them to hear it too, either. Maybe they'll use Dude. it against me in negotiations. Oh, all right. All right. Fair enough. Well, Never know. Tyler, I, this was awesome, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. you doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we're back on the ice soon. And we can we can get a playoff in. There's only so many rooms you can paint in this house, so hopefully. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> All right, thanks. I want to thank Tyler Sagan for joining the podcast. That was a lot of fun, as, as you knew it would be. He's he's great to talk to. Always great to catch up with Tyler. Um, and also special thanks to the Dallas Stars, fantastic PR department for coordinating the times with producer Tyler and making sure that that happens. So thanks guys for, for uh, a fantastic interview and for having a lot of fun here on the podcast. Um, so before we wrap up, as you may or may not know, I, through the email um, group that we have, the email list that we have with the full 60, which you can sign up for probably the easiest way is to go to craigcustons.com and you can sign up for that. I've just been sending out a couple times over the last few weeks uh, a request for stories or, or plugs or whatever anybody that listens to this podcast wants to stay. I'm basically turning this last segment over to the listeners. I said, if you have an interesting hockey story or maybe a local business you want plugged during these times or anything you want um, that you want me to read in these last couple minutes of the podcast, I just wanted to, to pr promote things that you guys are interested in or share stories you're interested in. We did it a couple weeks ago. It was great. Um, sent out an email a few days ago. And it's funny, I got a bunch of emails back and you know who you are if you did this and it's awesome. Um, I got a ton of like 
story ideas for the athletic in podcast ideas. So people were like, look, I don't, I don't want to say anything for the last segment, but I do want, here's something I've always wondered. And really, oh, I'm getting a phone call. I'm going to ignore that. And really, it, it was great and it inspired like three or four legitimate good um, story ideas for The Athletic. So thank you if you did that. Um, but I also I wanted to read a couple of these that I got that just some encouragement or, uh, you know, uplifting stories from the world of hockey. And the first one comes from Justin Smith. And he sent this actually when I sent the first email request out and I completely missed it somehow. And he just wanted to hi- highlight he says, my aunts and my mom directed the local quilters guild in Delta Junction, Alaska, to dig through their endless supply of fabric and construct 100 masks each. In a three-day turnaround, they sent 5,000 masks down to the Alaska Native Medical Center in Anchorage a few weeks ago. My cousin, who is the head nurse there, leading the COVID-19 response team, she said they were low on masks and my aunts and mom got to work. They are still making masks at this clip. But it seems like the demand is slowing because more people have stepped up with the mask-making effort. Not a huge thing, but they are doing this while caring for my alien grandmas in isolation, which is more than a full-time job these days. Just another example of why ants are generally the driving force for good in this world, especially these also that are hockey moms. I would agree with that completely. I love that story, that, that the uh, local quilters guild in Delta Junction, Alaska, is digging in and helping out. So, Justin, thank you for sending that. I loved that story. I also received an email from Dean. And, Dean, I don't want to butcher your last name. Maybe Morana. And Dean wrote, he said, I don't have anything to share at the moment, but I just want to let you know that I love the idea. And that's of opening up the end of this podcast to listeners. I've been listening to the pod since its inception and have been a subscriber to The Athletics since almost day one from when Detroit was included. Thanks for all the great content. I especially like the prospect episodes with Promen and Wheeler. And also, let me use this moment to plug. We had one with Corey earlier this week. If you miss it, he was great. I am considered an essential worker automotive, and having the athletic in the full 60 has been a bright spot to me on some of the less than filled days. We've been slow. I'm losing my mind. I look forward to hearing some of the great stories that will no doubt come from this. Stay safe, and thanks again, Dean. So I just wanted, first of all, Dean, thank you so much for that email. But more importantly, I just wanted to use that email as an opportunity to thank all of the essential workers out there, Dean included, who um, are out there still, you know, putting themselves in jeopardy, in danger. Uh, and for those of us who can stay home, work from home, who can plug a microphone into a laptop and call that work, um, you guys are doing the real work out there. And so I just wanted to use that email as a jumping off point to say thank you to the nurses, to the people in automotive, to the grocery store workers, to the people at Instacart and Shift who bring us groceries and people at Myers or wherever. Um, I, I can't thank you guys enough for getting us through this. So thank you to everybody. All right, that's it. Thank you, everybody, for the emails. Thank you for listening. Thanks again to Tyler Sagan and the Dallas Stars for making this happen. Uh, have a great week. <laughs>